Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies from startup to 40 million and beyond. By designing world-class strategic plans and keeping the owners and CEOs accountable and their leadership teams to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. Before we talk about a guest here, I'd like to do a shout out to Dr. William Morgan. He's the president at Parker University for his leadership and facilitating his team on their next strategic plan. I was just in Dallas, Texas. It was so great working with them. Appreciated their hospitality. And anyways, thank you to uh, Dr. Morgan and Parker University. And with that, I'd like to introduce our guest, Edgar Blazona. Edgar is a modernist American furniture designer and founder of widely popular DTC sofa brand Bench Made Modern. He's a high school dropout turned graffiti artist turned serial entrepreneur, and he got a start in the furniture in- industry because of need. He was young and broke, and I can't wait for him to talk about the story here in just a few minutes. His first apartment didn't even have furniture, ironically enough. And, and so here he is with all the story. He's going to talk about what he's done when necessity became invention. Edgar, we- welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I even just hearing you just even mention those things kind of brings back such such memories of, of my youth and my start and all that. And so looking forward to, to talking about it. Well, let's just dive into that because this was when we did our prep call, that was one of the most inspiring stories I've heard. I mean, I have a here we are in the 80th ish plus episodes that we've done and you did not start out easy. Um, Share us how that happened. How did you start your business, get into the furniture business? Cause it, you did it probably one of the most difficult ways you could ever get started with it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I started as a kid. I was, I grew up in a construction family. I had a little bit of building in my background and all that. And and when I was this kid, I was in art school. It still wasn't enough. I still was, you know, I wasn't getting the best of grades. I wasn't that interested. And, and that was kind of the thing. I wasn't, I, I didn't really necessarily want to be there. And so I dropped out of high school. And, and at that point, I had just started, you know, what we would call a furniture business. I mean, you know, I don't know that it was that. I, I, I got my first apartment. I, I left home at, you know, 16, 16 and a half, something like that. You know, mom, I'm going to I'm gonna go live on my own. You're not going to do anything about it. I'm out of here. You know, it's try to stop me kind of thing. And, and so I got this apartment and, and, oh yeah, you, you can afford an apartment, but you don't have any furniture. You don't have any silverware. You don't have any plates, you know, all of those things. And I thought, well, I can, I can make something. Of course, I didn't really know how to make furniture. Right. And so, you know, I, I thought at the time it was, I, I forget the retailer, but they were doing all this modern metal and black painted stuff and all that. And so I thought, okay, I'll learn to weld. Right. And so I got this welder, you know, and I, I got this steel and I was going to make this dining table and chairs and, and literally I had to learn how to weld. Now this is pre YouTube, right? There's no YouTube. Now first, you know, press the button, clamp the negative and press the positive, you know, none of that. Right. So it was like kind of this moment of like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to electrocute myself as I tried to figure out 
you know, how to weld, right, on this piece of furniture. I mean, kind of a bad idea, you're looking back on it, but it started my career. And so I made this dining table and chairs. And, you know, I, I maybe I'd been finished for like a month. And I had, I talked to them and I, I, I went, I was in a gallery and, and, you know, I was pushing, looking around and, and, and they were, and I was like, I'm a furniture maker, you know, like, and they were like, oh, really? You know, I'm like 17, maybe, you know, and, and they said to me, well, we'd love to see it. And we'd love to see what you do. You know, maybe we could sell it for you. Like, well, I don't know, you know, and so I went and took a Polaroid of it, right? Back in the day, a Polaroid. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, yeah, I remember. So I went down there and I gave my Polaroid and they said, we could sell this for you. Uh, well, okay. And I, I gave it to them on a Friday and literally on Monday it had sold and it sold over the weekend. I think I got $400. I was rich, dude. I was the richest kid on the block right about then, right? I had no furniture in my house, but I was rich. It felt like that was, you know, my big breakthrough. And, and quite honestly, I've been in the furniture business ever since. Wow. But it didn't. So, okay. You sold the first one, but it's, how did you sell the second one? Like, how did you keep on going from that point? Because a lot of people, I don't want yeah. you to get lucky, right? But yeah. sustaining growth, right? Yeah. So how so, do you get to this point where like, once again, you are getting no support, you're on your own. You need yeah. that 400 bucks, right? Pay the rent, buy food, yeah. get yourself some yeah. somewhere. What happened next? So I decided that I would start making whatever stuff like that worked, right? And so I started making this furniture and I, you know, where am I going to sell it? And I, well, I'll go down to the bar, you know, at night on a popular street. And I set up all this furniture that I had made. You know, I probably spent a month, two months, you know, making all this stuff, you know, a stool, a table, coffee table, side tables, you know, whatever I could. Some of it was found objects that welded together and all that, you know, it wasn't great stuff, but it wasn't, wasn't bad either. And I literally set it up on the street in front of the bar, like a garage sale and just sold my goods, you know, Hey, I made this custom furniture, you know, look how cool it is, you know, all that kind of thing. And, and uh, I would sit out there all night. Sometimes I would make a sale. Sometimes I wouldn't, you know, and then I started doing the flea markets and, mm -hmm. and all that. And, you know, I, I met a guy, I had no idea who he was. He was a, one of the, the owners of a leading modernist giant furniture store, an architect in, in the Bay area. I had no idea. And I gave him, you know, my card, you know, and, and, and I literally, I met him at the flea market. I had set up my stuff at the flea market. He happened to be walking by. He called me and he said, Hey, I've got this, you know, 20 foot long table. That's going to go into this office conference room. It didn't fit. Can you cut it in half, weld some brackets to it and figure out how to get it, you know, in, into this office. Now, okay. You know, so I take this table, I have it delivered, you know, I'm in a little garage, you know, I cut it in half. I carry it. I have a 1969 BMW 2002 old beat to hell. You know, I have half of this table at a time, right? Still 10 feet, but it's only half on the top of my roof, you know, and I got, I got ropes going around and through the windshield, you know, through the windows and all that. I mean, talk about janky and, but you know, that was my start. And I, and I really had a struggle, but, but, you know, things came to me because most importantly, I was putting myself out there. I was putting myself in a place where, you know, 
I was make it or break it, you know, and people would notice me. And, you know, it probably helped at that point that I was this young kid, you know, trying to make it. And, you know, people, people were kind to me for sure. So let's go into, so you, you, you continue the furniture, you know, you, growing that. When, when did, what happened next? What, what, what was the next part of your career that really yeah, yeah. Um, started to professionalize you, if you may? So then I started, then I realized, okay, look, this is working, right? I'm, you know, I'm making $200 here, $400 here, a thousand here. Now I'm making, you know, $2,000, you know, these are starting to work. How, how can I, you know, <laughs> scale this, you're right. The, mm-hmm. the big buzzword. Yeah. And I, and I, and I thought, okay, I'll start making custom metal furniture. And so I started getting my name out there and I started making these custom products and, you know, I made some weird stuff for some people, you know, but, but it started to get my name out there and, and that turned into, you know, getting my first real, you know, like warehousey kind of place, right. And mm-hmm. starting to do that. And, and then I started making cabinets, kitchen cabinets, started making wood stuff. And I started building this little business and gosh, that probably took me, I don't know, three, four years, something like that, you know, and I, I kept at it and I, I started doing, I met these interior designers and I would do all these great work and, and boy, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Metal furniture, frankly, combining metal and wood together is a really different, difficult manufacturing process in general. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, I just, like I said, I struggled it out, but, but I, you know, I was taking names and, and making, you know, making these contacts and it, it really started to work. I don't know when it was. It was mid nineties. I had a cabinet shop. I had now had three people working for me. I was pushing wood through the table saw, you know, part after part, after part, after part, you know, and sucking in all this dust. And in my head, I was thinking it is going to be a long, long time before I ever get that lake house that I've been dreaming about. Mm. And honestly, that was kind of the, the moment where I thought, I really need to figure out how to do this on a much bigger scale, right? How do I, how do I shift this into a much bigger scale? Because me and these three guys is not going to, you know, get the lake house that I, you know, the dream, right? Yep. So I, that was a Friday. I remember it so vividly. It was a Friday and I decided, you know, I'm going to close this business down right? Over the weekend, this was like kind of a big decision. I'm going to close the business down. I'm going to make some portfolios. I'm going to hand them out and I'm going to go work for a big company and figure out how they do it. Mm. And Pottery Barn was in my hometown Mm. and I gave one, you know, portfolio to them and I was hired immediately. And that changed my life. That was my furniture college. And I, I weaseled my way through there. You know, I, I, I was a technical draftsman basically at the time I was just drawing furniture, but I showed them that I could, I could fix their problems Mm -hmm. and I may or may not have created or at least pointed out some problems to them and made it like, seem like I could go overseas to the factories and fix it for them. Big gamble, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I, and I did, and they sent me to these factories and, and, you know, lo and behold, I was able to look and see like, okay, here's how a big factory 
does it right yeah. how, how do they do it that's were you going of, now were you going overseas into china asia or were you going to where were, where were you going specifically? I, was, I was going to china i was going to thailand you know this is right about the time when the anti-dumping lawsuits in bedrooms started to happen and 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 what happened was the furniture industry the the north carolina furniture industry fought the china industry and basically China was selling furniture for, you know, way, way, way too cheap. And they, they basically taxed these factories and the factories ended up having to move to say Indonesia or Thailand or something like that. Vietnam was a big bedroom one. And so those guys, you know, they were doing it like I was doing it in my shop, but they had like 500 guys like me all lined up. And so it was a much, it was a very interesting moment to see that time when you know german machinery meets you know just you know a motor with a blade on it kind of thing it was it was a good time and i learned a ton and that that became my furniture college wow wow and 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 so you go through that you're you're go through that kind of if you may corporate experience you you under start understanding supply chain and scale i love it how you did an analogy of like wow this was just like me with, with 500 people in a sweatshop i don't mean to say that negative way but i mean i've been over yeah. there i mean yeah. there's there's tough conditions you know in some of these places and there people are just grinding day in day out the work ethic over there in some areas is That's unmatched. crazy i mean it's just crazy just yeah. unmatched. Right. And, and of course, and, and for them, it's a, it's a big deal to get through this, but you, so you have this experience, you start getting it, obviously they're liking what you're doing, right. You know, cause yeah. you're learning from this. So what do you do from then? You know, what, what, yeah. what's kind of like the next, right thing? the next step. Yeah. So I had always intended to get back to my own thing, right. Modernism has always been my thing. And, and while I was there, you know, I spent a lot of time traveling and a lot of time fixing stuff and developing stuff. And, 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 you know, really like, you know, in a corporation that large, there's so many issues that if you just can pick a few, you can, and fix them, you're golden, right? So I would cherry pick these, these problems that, that really would excel me forward, right? And the goal was always to restart a business. And, while I was there, a company came to me and said, hey, we love what you're doing as a designer for Pottery Barn. We'd love to, to have you come to our company and knock it off so that, you know, we can sell to Walmart and Target and all these big box stores and all that. And so I was really part of this revolution to take what Pottery Barn was doing, cheapen it and sell it through Walmart and Target, really kind of going after my old friends with this much cheaper version of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, then I suddenly was the designer, right? I had to like, oh, switch my hats and be more of a designer then. And, and kind of, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. And, but, you know, the fake it till you make it thing is I find always interesting. It's, you, you don't fake it unless you have the confidence to be able to do it, right? And I think that's part of that game is when you are confident that you can do it, then you can fake it till you make it. If you're not confident, you know, that won't, that won't work. And it just ends up in a failure. And, and so I took this diversion, you know, I went to Walmart and Target and started doing all these products. And I designed, I had an entire row of kids goods at, at Target, you know, as a designer, it was quite the learning experience in itself. And then I started this brand true modern, I went to the boss there. And I said, Hey, 
I'm going to start this new brand. I had always intended to go back and do my own thing. Now's the time. And I'm either going to do this new brand with you or without you, right? I can, I'm going to do it on the side, but I don't want to be hiding in the bushes and, you know, trying to, you know, make these deals and make this thing happen. I'm going to do it openly or I'm going to have to leave. And he was like, no, 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 no. Do it openly, right? We want you, you know, do what you can. And, and I did, and I built this uh, True Modern. It was an import company. I made modern kids furniture. And, you know, I was, I was real early on in the tech world, right? And actually I was on the cover of Fortune Small Business as this tech you know, maverick. I was using WebEx, right? No one knew what WebEx was, but instead of flying to these factories, I would teach the factory how to use WebEx and then use WebEx, right? And wow. and we'd have meetings, you know, that way. I mean, that sounds ridiculous nowadays. Look, you and I are having- <laughs> As right we're on now. Zoom and it's just like so easy, but- It's yes. so easy, but then it was like, we can see each other on the computer, you know, it was a big deal. And I remember. I hired, yep. a, I hired an accounting company in India. And they were doing my order processing and my accounting at night, you know, while I slept. Genius, you know, I mean, it was, and it was these little moves that I was doing that, that kind of turned me into this tech maverick, you know, and, and, but I built this small little business and, and, you know, eventually I was able to leave and focus on it completely. And, and it was, it was a good, again, another learning experience, but my eye has been on the prize since I left high school. And I have stuck to it. I didn't change and this and that. I mean, I made, made some small little detours within the business industry, I should say. But I kept my eye on the prize and, and it's still on the prize and, and still today. So what is that prize? What is that, what is that thing for you? Well, what is that thing for me? You know, I, I built a pretty successful sofa business called Benchmade Modern, right? And I, and it was a, 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 on-demand, direct-to-consumer sofa business. And, it, you know, direct-to-consumer now, right now, is like everyone knows what that is. And, you know, when I was around, it was like Casper had just kind of come out, you know, Casper Mattress brand. You had Dollar Shave Club that had just come out. It was real early. You know, people didn't know what direct-to-consumer really was. And so I was, I built a small factory, you know, going back to my factory days. I, I showed the world that I could make custom by the inch sofas in as little as 24 hours. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. And, mm -hmm. and, and then I went to raise money and I, you know, I got a long story how I hacked my way into capital. You know, you don't, at the time you don't give a furniture guy capital, right? There's no capital, you know, you're either creating Google or Facebook or the next, you know, one of those things or not. And, and especially and, where you were at, cause you're in the Bay area, right? So, I'm in the Bay area, so right? Yes. It, it's a gold rush, you know, but it's not a gold rush for us furniture people. That's for sure. And so I had to kind of hack my way into that as well. So, you know, so that's kind of, you know, that's the goal and, and where I want to be is, is building a furniture brand, you know, and, and I built Benchmade Modern and I sold it and I sold it to one of the companies that I was trying to disrupt, you know, in the very beginning, you know, and so and that was an interesting ride in itself. It recently ended, which was great. You know, we had a good three year run, you know, kind of passed the football handoff and and now they're they're on their own and and I'm doing a great job and, and making great sofas. And so it's pretty cool to see.
you know, I, I love once again the story. I mean, you just you go back and you talk to talk about your history. You hear you once again, high school dropout, take off from home. And 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 here you've gone to a point where you had a venture capital backed business that you were able to sell and sell ironically yeah. to one of your competitors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah. but now I think this is important. This didn't happen overnight. No, no, I'm I'm a 50-year-old man right now, you know, like I'm an old dude now, you know, and I started, but again, it goes back to having the eye on the prize, right? And and you know, I think there's a lot to be said. I, I, first of all, I got really lucky, right? I got really lucky in the sense that I found something that I wanted to do in my life early on. And it's kept me excited and inspired all my life, right? It wasn't something that I, you know, I want to be a dentist. And then I got to the, you know, after school and went through dentist, everything. And then like this dentistry thing sucks. I want to be a you know, this, or I want to be that, right? So I was, I had this, I had this thing that I was able to focus on that kept me energized, you know, maybe some little turns here and there, but it kept me energized. It kept me happy. And, and I, you know, it, it, it still makes me happy. You know, it's still where I want to be today and, and all that. And I, I, I'm, I think there's something to be said for, for sticking with it, right? The long ball. I, I speak a lot about the long ball game, right? It's not about like tomorrow. It's about, you know, a month from now, six months from now, two years from now, you know, how do you stay focused enough? Keep your eye on the prize, keep chugging away at it, you know, and, and ride the ups and downs and, you know, and, and, you know, maneuver yourself through the hurdles in a way that creates success. And and if you kind of can do that, you kind of can find some success and, and some happiness as well. So let's talk about that. What you talked about is this, you had this long-term image. You went through lots of obstacles to get there, but you had still this long-term vision, which, which as you kept on saying, you you had this dream, you know, ultimately to get to somewhere. Today, today, yeah, today there seems to be this, I need to be 24 years old and a TikTok millionaire, right? You know, yeah. like there's these these beliefs, right? Or that that I'm gonna all of a sudden get rich quick. And I don't know about your experiences. My experience is that's not common at all. That that it's 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 almost easier to win a lottery ticket than it is to like become a Hollywood famous actor or or to you know sell a TikTok business and have something like that go on. But these experiences where you did actually happen. You know, I mean, you're not the only person that has done this, that has been able to build it. How do you, what would you say to other people in their younger part, you know, kind of the 25 year old, the 30 year old, even maybe the the 16 year old that's struggling to find out what they want to do, right. You know, and, and struggling at home. How do you help get them to get out of the short term mindset to the long term mindset? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question at because I and I think that as we as we're seeing it's getting harder and harder to to show, you know, short term versus long term, right? There's so much short term in the media that it you assume that everything is short term. I and I'll I'll even step back a minute and I'll I'll talk about my own ass kicking, you know, in that arena, right? I thought business was, you know, dollar in, you know, get a dollar, sell a dollar, right? I like, I didn't understand 
that there was an industry that is providing money to the businesses that we all know. So I figured that, you know, that hardware store that has three stores, like that guy went dollar for dollar, 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 you know, but really he, he got some venture money, right? This is the evolution of businesses, right? It used to be get a dollar, you know, sell a dollar. Then it kind of came get some investors, right? Then it became this much bigger thing, get a lot of investors. Then it became this thing, get a lot of investors and scale this business and, you know, become Facebook. The question that you asked me and how that relates to all this is, I think it depends on what you want to do. Hmm. If you want to be a TikTok star, you might be able to be a TikTok star, but know there's a thousand other TikTok stars out there and 10,000 TikTok stars in the waiting, right? Hmm. Same thing with my furniture business, right? There's 10,000 furniture companies out there, you know, all of which are trying to get a story in the New York Times, right? How do you get that story in the New York Times? How do you leapfrog? Because the days of just, I mean, I didn't just get here, right? I didn't, I didn't, I used some tactics to leapfrog to get here, but I didn't just, I'm going to be a furniture designer and suddenly I'm this guy, I'm on podcast now, I'm on this, I've sold a business, all that. Like it took a long time. And, and so how do you do that? And I have some strategy. I do think there's ways of, of leapfrogging, but I don't think there are ways of just all of a sudden. And I think, you know, go back to these younger generation. How do you do it? Go ahead, try it. That's probably what I would say. Let's see. I mean, you might be a TikTok star tomorrow, but most likely not. And most likely you're going to get your ass kicked, actually, <laughs> you know, and so that's going to be a learning experience. And yeah. you might step yeah. back and say, wow, it's not so easy. And I might have to rethink that. Yeah. And, and, and even with, you know, one of the things that you, you, you were saying along the way is you always found way to add specific value to those who you're working with, yes. whether it was your customer, whether it was within Pottery Barn, you made this really interesting comment. You said, you know, I found a couple big specific problems that I could fix. Yes. And so you were strategic and how you how you spent your time like you didn't waste on the all of the stuff that maybe the typical person would do i need to answer all my emails i need to do this and this and that you're like got to be really good at excel <laughs> right right you weren't thinking that you were like i need to solve a problem that's going to help solve customers problems help solve manufacturing problems right yeah. and and i think that's you know it was interesting when when everything shut down it, with COVID, and this was, and it depends on where you're at, it still feels like it is, but but, but most places it hasn't. But, but in the in, in early, when it was really shut down, April, May of 2000, somebody had posted something on internet. I loved it. They were like, just add value. Yeah. And value isn't my value, just to clarify, right? It's value yeah. I'm bringing to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important, right? You know, when for us, you know, COVID, you know, February, right? California, San Francisco, Bay Area, February. It was like now, right? It, it, things are going to close, right? How did we, you know, find value, right? How did we add value for our customers? And for me, I noticed early on, and this is going to sound crazy, but we started having these dance party raves, literally dance party raves, 
where 50 of us would all get on, you know, a Zoom, right? Before anyone even knew what Zoom was, you know, video conferencing kind of thing. And we would get in these Zooms and we would, we would then use, you know, another service to broadcast music. And we would have these dance parties. And, and what, what I realized was I was getting so much enjoyment of seeing your face, mm. of seeing my friends out there. You know, and so for us, I quickly saw that and I thought, okay, I'm going to build this thing on our site. And it was Ask Edgar. And literally it was like, Ask Edgar, Edgar, anything. No, like really anything. And people would write in and they would ask questions. You know, a lot of it had to do with furniture or their interiors or something like that. But sometimes they would ask these weird questions. And I would then record a video every day. I'd do like five, 10, 15 videos every single day answering their questions just to give back a little FaceTime, right? And it was it was something that, you know, did we sell sofas from it? Yeah, right? A ton of sofas? Maybe not. But what it did was it showed that we were we were people, right? And and again, mm -hmm. this is pre-Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Right. This is pre when, you know, people were like excited about it. And it was just that little extra little thing, that extra value add mm. that made people, you know, want to buy a sofa from us in a sea of sofa stores. At that point, they wanted to buy a sofa from us because they got something more. Right. They 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 found this moment in time that made them happy and it made them feel good. And, and I think it's those little things when you can introduce that into your business beyond just, you know, we make a good product and we ship it on time and all that. When you can add those little things, you shine. And, and it's that you shine thing that you were referring to. How do I find ways to make myself or my business shine in a sea of, you know, a sea of others? So, um, just consistently when, when, when you've been within business, how would you measure success within business? What would be like the common thing is like, this is how I'm driving value. Well, I mean, you know, financially. Okay. But let's, I mean, financially, right. The business is successful and all that. That's the boring part, right? It's almost the table stakes. We're yeah. in business to make money. Right. That's right. That's right. To me, you know, it's the, it's the customer feedback, right? Because there's no, you know, shortage of quote unquote trolls out there that are willing to beat the hell out of you. Right. And every little thing that went wrong. And, you know, some of the things that I have no control over, like the shipper that smelled like cigarettes when he brought it into your house or, you know, like whatever it is. Right. And and you can get pounded on that on the Internet. Right. You you know, when you're an Internet first company, you're you're you are open to like all the hell, you know, you're open to this pounding on. And, and so the success I would find when people are talking about you in a good way on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, for us, it was, you know, best sofa, best online sofa by the New York Times wire cutter. I mean, mm -hmm. the best online sofa. Do you know what that is? Like, that's, that's like, that's huge. There's a thousand companies out there that want to be that. 
And there's a thousand companies that I set out to disrupt. So what's up old school manufacturers? Like you just got beat by the new kid who dropped out of high school, who doesn't know Jack about Excel and all that. Right. And so that's success, right? That to me is success. I I loved it. How you went back to your, your, your beginnings again, has that been this kind of, and I mean this in a good way. It's sort of like Tom Brady being drafted in the sixth round. Have you kind yeah. of always had this chip in your shoulder? Like, I don't care where your degree came from. I don't care you came from Stanford. I don't care if you, you know, whatever it might be. I could still kick your butt, you know? I mean, in terms of like delivering value, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking about from, from. I'm just curious. Has that been kind of with you a little bit through all this? Yeah, yeah, there is a, you know, I was a graffiti artist, right? I was a graffiti artist, not because I was a great artist, but because I loved the kind of, I don't know, rebellious side of it. Right. And so, but I, you know, I, I, I sold my good, you know, I sold my graffiti into clubs and into bars and I, I painted everybody's, you know, stages and Lollapalooza and all that. And, and so that there is the kind of the F you in a way, right? It's a little bit of the, like, look, this is the bad kid that's stepping into your world, right? A little bit. That's sort of what it is for me today, right? I am, I am the still kind of punk ass, rebellious skateboarder entrepreneur, right? And, and and I'll kick your ass if you let me, right? But you will beat me in Excel, right? You're probably better at math than me, right? But, and, and, and I actually would like to hire you, <laughs> right? Because I actually need your skills. And, and I'm not, you know, too much on my own high horse to know that, right? I need your skills. But I possess a skill that a lot of people don't have. And that's this, this, Go get it, like work hard, be creative. You know, I'm often the most creative in the room and it's, that's where I shine, right? So, so is it, do I go back to my old days? No, but I definitely go back to where I shine, right? And, and that's where I shine to be the most creative, but I'm not that great with Excel, (laughs) you know? I mean, I, I can hack my way through it and all that. I don't necessarily want to be great with Excel, right? right? I I can do my thing and I can get myself out there and I can, I can build a good product. And, and, you know, these days, you know, I call myself a sofa King and that goes right back to the graffiti era, right. Where we would crown ourselves, you know, the King of 51st street or whatever, the King of this subway line. Well, I'm the sofa King. Right. And, and, you know, if you go to my, if you go to my Twitter page, right pinned to the top, is an old school battle, right? I, I put this tweet out and I said, okay, fellow, you know, sofa manufacturers, you send your best stuff to a writer, any writer, I'll send my stuff to any writer and we'll see who's got the better sofa. And whoever's got the better sofa after it's reviewed, you will publicly be crowned, crowned the sofa king. Oh, that's awesome. And lo and behold, not a single one of those people. I know they follow me. I see their names. I know all those company owners follow me. Not a single one has reached out. And because they're they're afraid or they're at least afraid to put their money where their mouth is. And and I'm not. And 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 you know, maybe I'll lose. And if I lose, I lose, you know. But 
but I try to make a really good piece and I try to do the best that I can. And, and so I'm confident in that way. And so, you know, your question, you know, going back to the old school days, no, but there's a little bit of punk ass still in me. And, and, and you know, whatever, you know? Yeah. I love it. No, I love And I, I, I think you, you've stressed several times through this podcast that you've really found your strengths and you know, to stick with it. And then, you know, to delegate what you're not great at. It's like, Hey, I don't know how to do Excel. And so I'm going to hire somebody from India to do my accounting. I mean, just things that you've done over time to, to leverage and not to worry about it. Right. Yeah. I, I, and I do, I, I, I will say, I, you know, I've got two kids, you know, one of which is in a fancy college, you know, he, I would not advocate for him to drop out of high school. Right. I, I'm not an advocate of dropping out of high school. I actually don't like, you know, especially in some of these, you know, investor meetings and stuff that I've had, like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but they can't make furniture. Right. So I have that for me. And I, but I do wish that I was a little bit smarter in those regards because I have to really work hard on it. And that's that's the self-confidence thing. I have to go back and remind myself, like, they can't do what I can do. But it is hard when, you know, someone's evaluating the the business from a financial basis and they're able to understand the percentages in a heartbeat. And I'm like, still like, well, you know, that that sort of thing. So right. I wish I was I, I, I do wish I had a little bit more of that. And it humbles me sometimes when I don't have that answer as quick as others might. Yeah, that's good. But I think having having humility too is is important in all of this. And 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 you, but you know, once again, go back to you have your strengths, which which you you're driven off of. So let's. I, I'm curious in the personal side. How it, you've talked a lot about obviously this is, this has been very intertwined business and personal you know throughout this podcast. But what habits have you continued or or fostered today in your life to drive the most performance that you can do you know what what are the things because you've talked about working hard quite a bit you know and you've talked about these different things what do you do to help make sure that your energy is at the best yeah yeah that's that's a tough one you you know you mentioned you know that it being intertwined business and my personal life and all that it is my personal life it's what i do it's what i love it's it's every bit of me i can't even stress that enough and so there is no you know it's really what I am, right? It's not even like a, like a kinda, like it's just what I am. And so, so there's a lot of intertwining and, and, you know, how do I stay motivated? How do I stay up? I can tell you a quick little story about what I call my COVID slump, right? Mm -hmm. This was about a year ago, you know, we'd all been kind of locked in a lot as a designer and as a creative type, you know, it's hard to be locked down in the same place in the same time looking at these dumb Zooms and, you know, all of this and searching on the internet and trying to like Instagram and, you know, all these things that kind of are supposed to, you know, are supposed to entertain you until like that's all you have, right? And and so I, I, I went into a, a bit of a slump. I was not creative. I wasn't driving. I wasn't I wasn't feeling it, frankly, you know, and, and I decided that I was going to go out every day and I was going to drive around Oakland, California, and I was going to find things that inspired me. I was going to go back to my graffiti roots. I was going to go back to my, 
my art roots, my architecture roots. And I would photograph these things that inspired me. And I made a real conscious effort. Like, I'm not actually going to go work on the business. I'm not going to design anything. I'm just going to drive around and look at stuff and like feel the wind and feel, you know, the weather and feel what it feels like to stand in front of this, you know, beautiful piece of graffiti on a train tracks with some homeless people and some this and that and all the things that could go wrong and you know hit by a train and robbed and you know all those things but but I needed to stand in front of that to get inspiration to get a lift right to lift me out of what I was calling this COVID slump and and so I spent I don't know a couple weeks doing that and and it really worked. It was inspiring. It it brought me back to where I started. It brought me back to what I, you know, what I set out to do. And and what I set out to do was create cool things for other people, right? Create things that that worked and and that felt good and made people happy and and all that. And and so yeah, so that was kind of that was my move, right? And I I I don't know that I have a whole lot of moves. I know from like you know, I'm going to jump the gun on you just a hair and you're going to ask me, you know, well, what books do you read to inspire you? I don't read anything. I mean, honestly, I don't read books. And so I'll just say it, right? Let's just put it out there. I don't read books. I like to get in front of tactile things that I can feel and touch and, and pull that energy from to inspire me to be better and, and do a better job and, and give better stuff to the community for sure. That's awesome. That's my trick. That's my hack. I love it. I, and, and I love, I love, once again, I appreciate your authenticity and not making something up. It's like, this is, this is what you do. This is who you are. And, and your life is about objects and things, right. And making them look cooler, you know, at the end of the day, you know, something that people want to buy value and, 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 and you're also inspired if you love it when somebody says it's the best, right? You know, with like, this is the best, best thing I have. I love, I love it that how that drives you, you know, in, in terms of that really true artist, you know, from, from that perspective. And anyways, I thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. How can people learn more about you, Edgar? You know, they can find me at Edgar Blazon on Twitter. They can, you know, read, read about me there. You know, even just a Google search, frankly, Google search Edgar Blazona. I'm all over the internet. They can find me there. Lots of interesting stories and interviews and all that. And then of course, LinkedIn, you can, you can find me there. That's another easy way, way to get to me. And then of course, if you need a sofa while I'm, I'm no longer necessarily there, but Benchmade Modern, you know, they make some badass stuff and, and, and I think that you'll dig it. And I think you'll be plenty happy with, with what you get. That's awesome. Edgar, thank you so much for being on the Measure Success Podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. It was fun going through those old stories. That was awesome. And hang on. I got some swag for you. We're going to order for you what we do with all our guests. And to everyone else who's listening on the podcast, wishing you the very best at measuring success and have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.